welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rosher, Global Head of Reed Smith's international arbitration practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello and welcome to this latest Arbitral Insights from Reed Smith. My name is Sachin Karot. I'm the managing partner of Reed Smith in the Middle East, and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues, Jane Miles, a senior associate, and Soam Panchamia, an associate here in the Middle East with me. Today, we are considering the new changes to the Dubai International Arbitration Rules, their implications, and what it means for arbitration here in the region. And it comes on the wave of an exciting and progressive legislative journey for the country. The community in Dubai and the broader UAE is witnessing a number of legislative changes as the government updates existing laws and introduces new laws as well. For example, we've seen corporate governance, employment, changes in commercial laws, changes to employment and visa regulations, all being implemented in the last few months. And today, the government announced an unemployment scheme for the first time uh, for workers here in the UAE. So we're really seeing a very exciting period. And in that context, dispute resolution and arbitration has certainly been at the forefront of changes. So I'd like to ask Jane to kick off with a short background to what we have seen in the arbitration sector here in the region and the UAE. Thanks, Sachin. Um, I think that's a fair assessment of the developments we've seen here more broadly over the last four years or so, Sachin. Obviously, the key change for the arbitration community was the introduction of the UAE's standalone arbitration law, which had been long discussed and debated, periodically coming up on the radar before disappearing again. In late 2018, the new arbitration law was finally published, replacing the 16 articles of the UAE's civil procedure law. It was based on the UNCITRAL model law on international commercial arbitration and introduced, among other things, a more streamlined process to the enforcement of domestic arbitration awards and amended the UAE Civil Procedure Code to facilitate the recognition and enforcement of foreign arbitral awards too. These were important developments for arbitration in the UAE, given that enforcement of awards in the country has historically been subject to a degree of uncertainty, which understandably caused concern to investors and businesses operating in the jurisdiction. And it was around this time that DIAC's updated arbitration rules were also hotly anticipated. In fact, they were discussed in quite some level of detail during Dubai Arbitration Week in November 2018, and the legal community were keen to see them ushered in. However, the updated rules were put on hold and didn't see the light of day until more recently. Yes, but the new rules were introduced off the back of the recent announcement of Decree 34 of 2021 that came out in September last year which effectively dissolved both the DIFC-LCIA Arbitration Centre as well as the Emirates Maritime Arbitration Centre. Ultimately, what this led to was that the caseloads, particularly of the DIFC-LCIA Arbitration Centre, was transferred to the DIAC under some very specific rules. The changes introduced by DIAC's new arbitration rules have brought the DIAC rules in line with best practices that are being seen in the global arbitration community over the last 15 or so years. 
the DX's new rules have sought to introduce and encourage procedural efficiencies and greater cost-effectiveness of arbitration, a process that has become lengthier and more expensive in general. It's very timely that the new rules have been introduced now following the closure of EMAC and the DIFC LCIA arbitration centers. As most are now aware, the new DIAG rules took effect on the 21st of March of this year, and they apply to all new requests for arbitration submitted after this date, with the exception of expedited procedures, which will only apply to agreements to arbitrate after the 21st of March 2022, unless the parties agree otherwise. By default, for all ongoing arbitration cases, the relevant current rules will apply in that the current DIFC-LCI rules will continue to apply to arbitrations that were commenced before uh, Decree Number 34 took effect. And, and that's the important consideration, isn't it, Sam? I think the practical implication of these rule changes are what is the key to understanding the next stage of arbitration here. For those with arbitration agreements in their contracts referring to DIFC-LCIA, what considerations do you think now must apply? There has, of course, been some concern for those parties with ongoing cases, at least EMAC or the DIFC-LCIA. Um, you know, we, Reed Smith as a firm, have clients with ongoing DIFC-LCIA cases, and this has caused some level of disruption as we've had to constantly recheck the DX's website, as well as generally just make sure we're staying on top of any updates and press announcements. So within a week of the new DIAC rules coming into effect, DIAC and the LCIA in London were able to confirm a in a joint press release that the ongoing former DIFC-LCIA cases would be administered through conclusion by the LCIA with prepaid fees by parties to be handed over to the LCIA to ensure appointed tribunals will be paid. With regard to any arbitrations or other proceedings that refer now to the defunct DIFC-LCIA rules and any ad hoc proceedings where the DIFC-LCIA was requested to act as either an appointing authority or administrator in cases that commence after the 21st of March 2022, or at least were not registered with the DIFC-LCIA prior to that date, those cases will be registered by DIAC and subject to DIAC's new arbitration rules, including the table of fees and costs in force unless agreed otherwise by the parties. Okay, that, that, that is helpful. And Jane, in relation to those who are currently considering referring disputes to arbitration, what issues do you think they need to grapple with now? Well, there will, of course, be concerns as to whether accepting DIAC and its new rules were considered automatically binding or whether further written agreement of the parties is required. So, for example, by way of uh, terms of reference to be agreed or otherwise amending the existing arbitration agreement. As we know all too well, historically the UAE has seen some arbitration awards set aside for much lesser procedural shortcomings, such as simply not having each and every page of an award signed by the tribunal. So these really are important considerations to take the time to review. There will also be concerns as to the day-to-day -day administration of cases being referred to DIAC and whether it has staffing levels required to manage that caseload until it's come through to the LCIA in London. But I think that's really a short-term point. That's a great point, Jane. And if you look at the broader picture, though, 
the introduction of the new rules has come at a good time for arbitration in the UAE and for the DIAC itself. When you consider the fact that DIAC has now been around for a fair amount of time, it's well positioned with a number of years of experience in handling arbitration cases to be able to hit the reset button with a certain amount of confidence. Going forward, the wide-ranging changes are expected to have a positive impact on the arbitration process in the UAE. When you couple that with the streamlining measures put into place by the UAE arbitration law, particularly around enforcement of wards, the UAE is definitely headed in the right direction. Yes, I I tend to agree. I think these changes, these new rules, have brought about immense improvements and parties to contracts should find these new rules attractive. That being said, I think it would be helpful for us to flag up from our perspective what these standout features are. So maybe I'll start with you, Soam, on your positive point. What do you think are the three standout features in the new rules that you think the audience should be aware of? Thanks, Ash. And in fact, I won't give you three. I'll give you four new improvements. So the first one is that there has been a huge improvement in terms of administrative oversight. You know, as a starting point, the new DIAC rules have officially included procedures to help deal with uh, e, you know, online hearings, virtual hearings, and e-bundles. And the new rules specifically make mention of allowing parties to file documents online and engage in online case management procedures under uh, for the administrative oversight of cases. This is a huge development and one that is hugely necessary in a post-COVID world where you know parties have had to grow increasingly accustomed to putting everything online. This also accords with new sustainability initiatives and green arbitration initiatives that many law firms, much like Reed Smith, have acceded to and have pledged to adopt. So seeing these sort of developments is, is very, very helpful in the new DIAC rules. A second major development that is very worth mentioning is that the new DIAC rules not only takes over administration of cases and applies them, applies the DIAC rules to cases that specifically mention DIAC as the arbitral institute, but they also apply to the DCCI or any cases that refer to the rules of the DCCI. Now, long-time practitioners in the region will tell you that the DCCI is a reference to the Dubai Chambers of Commerce and Industry. And before the DIAC came into existence, the DCCI was the one that had arbitration rules that were being applied to all sorts of contracts to help resolve the disputes by arbitration. The DCCI no longer exists in terms of the fact that it no longer has an arbitral institute and it no longer applies arbitration rules. This has been essentially moved into DIAC with the creation of DIAC. However, there have been a lot of legacy contracts, particularly in relation to commodities and purchase orders, etc., that initially created a DCCI arbitration clause and have continued to reproduce that clause all the way into today. And what this has resulted in is that parties have been forced to go through ad hoc arbitration or fight the matter in court because DCCI arbitration clauses didn't exist. So now the new arbitration rules at the DIAC 
have allowed the creation of DCCI arbitration clauses to fall under the DIAC arbitration rules, which is going to be hugely procedurally efficient and helpful to parties that may have these slightly outdated um, arbitration clauses. The third point that comes up is that there has long been a dispute between the parties over the costs of the arbitration. So essentially, DIAC rules, as they originally were, did not specify what exactly fell into the costs of the arbitration, whereas the new DIAC rules explicitly specify that costs of the arbitration not only cover the arbitrators' fees and the institution's fees, but they also cover the parties' as legal fees and their experts' as fees. And this clarity is a huge welcome development as it's going to reduce the scope for disagreements during cost submissions, as well as any potential challenges if a cost award has been made in favor of one party covering all four types of fees. And lastly, there has been um, some clarity provided in relation to the provision of proofs of authority for party representatives. Previously, it was the tribunal that had the ability to review and verify a proof of authority submitted by a party as legal representative. But now that power has been extended to the DIAC arbitration court as well, which is very helpful long term as it helps in increasing the, the efficiency of the process and allows the parties as representatives, particularly if there's a change in representatives, to come on board whether or not the tribunal has been officially formed yet. And, and so positive are these changes, so you managed to get an extra feature into your uh, analysis. So well done. And Jane, as long as Soam hasn't stolen your thunder, what uh, features would you like to let the audience be aware of? Thanks, Sashin. I think for me, one of the important changes, alongside the ones that Soam's already flagged up, is the change in seat. The replacement of Dubai as the default seat for a DIAC arbitration with the DIFC now being the default legal seat, is a significant change. It's been long awaited. Um, it was actually one of the changes that was anticipated to be introduced in the 2018 DIAC rules that didn't ultimately come into play. And essentially, I think this move recognises the concerns of commercial parties with regard to enforcement of awards and also to encourage greater confidence in UAE-based arbitration, particularly alongside the fact we now have um, a sort of embedded UAE arbitration law in place too. Yeah, and over the years, as specialists in dispute work, we've all seen numerous different versions of arbitration clauses that have been drafted by those who aren't aware of the nuances of what's required to be stated and how, so that parties have a clear written agreement as to the legal seat in their arbitration agreements. And the new rules have taken cognizance of this frequent inadequacy and provide not only for a lack of provision of a legal seat if the parties fail to do so, but they give a degree of flexibility in assisting the parties in confirming what their intentions might have been with regard to the seat. So essentially now the rules provide that in the absence of agreement as to the seat for arbitration, where there is reference to an agreed locational venue in the arbitration agreement, unless the parties choose to agree otherwise, the default seat will then be the locational venue referred to instead. But then failing any agreement on the seat, location or venue, the default seat will now be the DAFC. And I think, you know, historically, recalcitrant respondents typically relied on these sorts of absence of provisions in an arbitration agreement or the ambiguity. You know, we've seen proceedings be delayed for three, four, maybe even six months because the arbitration clause wasn't drafted clearly enough. 
Um, so I think this is a really welcome change because the point is to, you know, the centres obviously recognise the issues that people have had over the years and they've done something about it by aiming to significantly curtail these kinds of delays going forward. Another welcome change is, you know, the provision around the requirements for the signature of the award. An award is now going to be deemed to be issued at the seat of the arbitration, regardless of where it was actually signed by the members of the tribunal. And we all know that often parties choose members of a tribunal that are not necessarily based in the UAE. So this is a positive because it is not only a reflective of DISC law and ought to be sufficient to overcome challenges to DIAC awards that we've seen in the past, but it also obviously circumvents the unnecessary expense and delay to closure of proceedings that we previously saw under the old rules where members of the tribunal would have to fly back and physically sign an award in Dubai before it could be finalised. And lastly, I think just to kind of go over one of the sort of more overarching themes of the discussion we've had this afternoon, it's just the overall modernisation of the rules in general. The new rules now accommodate multiple contracts, multiple parties by way of consolidation or joinder. They include provision for emergency arbitrators and appoint, um, arbitrator appointments, and they facilitate expedited proceedings for lower value or simple, uncomplicated claims. And I think all of these additional provisions work towards streamlining proceedings and ought to be welcomed by those considering arbitration in Dubai. And as Sam touched on earlier, all of this also brings DIAC into line with its international competitors and should encourage parties to continue to refer their disputes to the centre. Absolutely, Jane. I mean, I, I would sum up what we have discussed as progressive, positive and timely. And I think it's clear that the industry, users and practitioners have been listened to as the DIAC has redesigned its rules. I think that is very positive. I think it will help Dubai retain its place amongst the arbitration elite venues and indeed do more than that and take a further step forward as a, as a, as a global elite centre. I hope the session today has created awareness and an understanding of the changes and I hope it's been informative. Thank you to my colleagues, Soam and Jane, for doing a tremendous job in summarising uh, the latest changes. And I hope uh, you will all join another Reed Smith Arbitral Insights podcast very soon. Thank you very much. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the Reed Smith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on reedsmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.